Back in March 2021, I binged seasons 2 and 3 of the hit podcast Serial and seasons 1, 2, and 3 of the podcast Something Was Wrong. And since I have a crippling problem with the fear of missing out, I thought it would be fun to try a series of my own. My friend Jessica, who you will meet in the last episode of this series, introduced me to her friend Suzanne. She pitched Suzanne's story with, She and her family had to run from the Nazis, she's had multiple surgeries, and has to stick a tube down her esophagus every day so she can eat. That piqued my curiosity, and Suzanne agreed to meet with me a couple of weeks later. I think it's incredibly important to preserve the history and wisdom of the people who have gone through such hard things. And it will be a gift to her children and grandchildren to have recordings of her story after she's gone. What a precious thing to have voice recordings. This is a five-part series, opening with Suzanne's family background and escaping the Nazis as they invaded Hungary. Spoiler alert, she did survive. This series was recorded over two long sessions, was edited by me, with music and sound production by my husband, Jordan. I hope you like it. I really enjoyed trying something new. In 1940, Hungary joined Germany, Italy, and Japan as the fourth Axis power. In 1941, Hitler asked Hungary to help invade Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia doesn't exist anymore, but it would have been in what we now know as Serbia. A little later, in July of 1941, Hungary started deporting Jews by request of Hitler, and as a show of loyalty. But by 1944, Hitler started to worry that Hungary was losing their conviction for the cause, so he invaded to take charge of the situation. He invaded in March 1944, which is where we pick up the story with Suzanne. What year were you born in? 1942. I was born in Budapest, Hungary. My dad's name was K-A-R-O-L-Y. Krasnavolji, K-R-A-S-Z-N-A-V-O-L-G-Y-I. Oh my. <laughs> so what does the full name sound like together? Krasnavolji. Krasnavolji. Mm-hmm. Got it. And my mom's name was Teresa, and T-H-E-R-E-S-A, and her maiden name was P-E-L-L-E-S, Pelish. And she was, um, she was on her last baby when, when we left Hungary. Do you have any older siblings? Yes, I have a, a sister that was 10 years older, Maria, and a brother that was 8 years older, Carl, and then there was George, and then there was me, and then there was my little brother, um, Frank, and he was 2 years uh, younger. Hungary has always been a country of um, uh, other people coming in and taking. It's it's kind of like the uh, Ottoman Empire that came in in 1300 and w- didn't get out of there till 1919. Kind of reminds you of the Israelites a little bit. And um, it was always under siege, it seemed like every, anybody was always trying to take over. 
and the Nazis were at that time at their prime, and they were they were having plans. They they were working with Russia and some of the other countries that were ready for a war, and ready for property and takeover. And my mother was pregnant then, and I think I was about two years old when. Uh, the Nazis came in to take over, and there were a lot of warnings for maybe six, seven, or eight months that we were going to be taken over. And so my dad worked in Budapest. I'm not sure of this, but I think he worked for the parliament. And uh, most of the buildings built um, caves or underground protection. And so that's where we would run. And for a long time, we were just uh, being warned, and the enemy was always just going to be right there. We were always afraid of that. And so we used that refuge place a lot. And then one day we got a calling, and they said, and my dad had set up this, that if, if we get these calls, uh, my mom was supposed to grab all the kids and come to town, and I, we just lived just out of the city limits, I think. And so we would go there and meet there, and we'd count heads, you know, is everybody there and everything. And so the last one that they, I think it was in early spring, and we had horrendous uh, winters. We always had snow up to yin yang, and, um, and so we would go and meet there. And this last one that I um, remember my folks talking about, it was so pathetic because they said this was their last time that they would be there. And, and so we just kind of took to running and we ran out, you know, it would be like going out and, um, of the edge of your town and trying to find some kind of uh, refuge. Um, and it got so bad, we had to look for food. And when the Nazis came in, they took everything. They took the chickens, the eggs, the pigs, and, and used them for themselves to fight the battles. And so we would get to empty houses, and we would uh, get to empty barns and stay there. And this went on, I take it for several months. We couldn't go someplace and sleep and feel like you would get up in the morning. You know, you always felt in danger and always at the edge of things. And in all that chaos and running, my mom had her baby, and that was my baby brother. He's two years younger than I am. And um, he was born during that time, and there was no diapers. There was nothing. Uh, she would wrap him in sometimes if she could find straw and tear some, some kind of a, a dress and wrap around him. And she, my mom would say to other people that, she was so ashamed of herself because she said one time she couldn't find anything for two weeks to wrap around that baby when he was 
you know, when he was in dirty diapers and when he had to pee and, and everything. And she was afraid that he wasn't getting enough food. And um, it was just hard times. And everybody seems like my sister, she was 10 years older than I was. And we were in one of those farmhouses and we got this siren and they said that the Nazis were just right behind us. And so um, they, they just up and, you know, you just, you didn't have any baggage, you just ran. And they would find, um, accidentally they'd find like chickens at the next house and they would take the eggs and eat them practically raw because there wasn't anything else to use. And all those wars and all those threats had been magnified and, and some of them were true because some of them you know, the Nazis didn't really care. They just opened the doors and started their machines and stuff. So, um, in all of this, I take it that we did this probably for five or six months because we, we slept in haystacks and we slept in the Black Forest with um, all the uh, pine cones cone trees on top of you and under you and everything and um, it was just it was everything I can't really describe it but it was so that it seemed like every step that you took could be the last one and um, this went on probably for about five or six months my sister tells about there was a little boy running in front of her and I because she always had a hold of my hand and this little boy was just you know he could hardly walk because he was walking on his tiptoes trying to keep up and he was so scared he just started to bark and she just couldn't understand that you know and she was trying to get a hold of him and let me hold you, let me carry him for a while, you know, and he wouldn't, and then that night we spent out in a field someplace, and um, that little boy was still looking for his mom and dad, and we never found out whether he really, because we could hear his bark, mm -hmm. you know, and that was, that was really tremendous for my, my sister, she couldn't ever forget that, you know, and every time she'd hear that kind of yelping, she would think of that little boy, and was he okay, and and there was another family that just kind of took over, took him over, but he was, he was just so rattled and so scared, and Let's pause for just a second to appreciate how far they had to go to get into Austria. I looked up on Google Maps how long it would take to walk from the Parliament building of Budapest to the closest point of the Austrian border. It's about 105 miles or 170 kilometers.
how many memories do you have firsthand of this time? Or are you kind of just relaying what your siblings and parents have told you? I, I really don't know much about Hungary or any of that kind of stuff. I know that my uh, sister, um, and I'm not sure about the, my sister and my two older brothers got uh, strayed and she got lost and they got lost separately too. And so, um, like I said, we were, we didn't even know we were crossing borders. And then we uh, one day found out that we were in Austria. And then my dad took count and he said, where is everybody? How did we lose them? And, and my father went out looking for them and day after day he'd think he would find them and, and we didn't. And uh, then they told us there was a lot of propaganda going on, and they said that we could all go back to our homeland. Well, everybody, you know, there was 200,000 people out there, and they all wanted to go back, but they decided to get on the trains, and so the people that went back they weren't ever heard of again. Yeah, they were taken to camps. Yes, and shot or put in fire or whatever, you know. And so my dad and my mom really thought that they could not find him in all of that chaos, none of the kids. And so they more or less gave up, but you know, you always kind of look behind you to see what's going on. And, and so they always thought that, um, they would find each other, and so some of the countries had opened their rations so to the immigrants, and so we could go to a couple of places and just get like half a loaf of bread or something. And then we went, my dad thought, heard that there was, um, that they were giving away food, and so he went to a um, railroad station and he was waiting to get back on with his half a loaf of bread, and he ran into my, um, the youngest son. And this is Carl. And uh, he, got off, he got off that train that he was, my dad was gonna get on to go back as close to where we were staying as possible. And, and dad said that was the most heartbreaking thing. He said, they both started to cry and laugh at the same time. And my my brother, he had been uh, hoping to find us at every stop, you know. And then my other brother. This would have been George. We just, we just barely ran into him. He was going this way and we were going this way and somebody just happened to look up and they found him and then my uh, we were um, at a new camp and my sister was there and she was with a doctor and his family and they were taking care of her and feeding her you know as much as they could so that's how they got back together we all got back together which I don't know how that's that amazing. ever happened that's it very was, rare. It was a finger of God, you know. It couldn't have been 
I mean, you know, you see your history and you look back and you think, he was with you the whole way. Mm-hmm. So, and there were people always crying because they had just lost their child or, or they just found out that their half family went back and they were burnt and, or shot or, you know. She couldn't remember which siblings were lost for what amount of time. But to summarize, her siblings, Maria, Carl, and George, were each separated from their parents and separated from one another for between five and seven months. As a reminder, Maria was 10, Carl was eight, and George was only six. What do you remember from their stories when they were separated? I, my mom cried a lot, and, and she, um, she always prayed and she always thought she would see at least one of them or she hoped she would that's all for today but stay tuned for a clip from next week's episode I was laying in bed and I heard somebody crying and screaming and and it was my mom and she said, it was like three or four in the morning, and she said something just told her that she needed to forget about staying home at night and coming and seeing me, and they wouldn't let her have me. And the reason was they had given away adoption papers, and I was the one they were giving away. <laughs> <laughs>